Hi TJs, I'm really lucky today because I'm here with Paul Matthews from People Alchemy. Now Paul, tell us what you do at People Alchemy first of all. Um, well, we're a number of different things, but uh, one of the reasons we're here now, of course, is we do some software that does focus on learning transfer. And since this is about learning transfer, that's why I'm involved. Um, and I'm writing a book on it and we speak on it, do consultancy on that sort of stuff, plus a number of other things in learning and development. And uh, TJ is, will not be new to Paul because you write a blog for us, you've written in the magazine before, and all of your stuff I find at least really interesting. We keep asking you back, so I imagine other people find it good too. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. And actually, you wrote something in TJ this month. So this is in the uh, July edition with Liggy Webb on the cover. And your article was called The Weakest Link. So all about performance improvement and learning transfer. So first of all, what is learning transfer? Uh, there's a lot of definitions out there. Um, uh, what I tend to use is that it's uh, actually implementing something that you've learned formally back in the workflow. And so that is if you do learn something on a training course or some kind of formal learning intervention that later on uh, when you need it and uh, you implement it and make it useful in the workflow. Um, of course, if you learn something or somebody or teach something to somebody and they don't then implement it, then that teaching was largely useless. Mm. Um, so we're, we're focused on implementing. So it isn't just transfer a movement. It's about implementing it as well. And even though we've started in L&D, or it seems that we've started talking about this a lot over the last few years, you say in your article that actually this research goes back over 110 years. Yes, it does. And actually, one of the other contributors or, or gurus on this upcoming webinar is Ina, um, Dr. Ina Weinbauer Heidel from, uh, from Austria. And, and that was um, her that did that research into that big meta study on it. And that's what she told me. Um, but it's certainly an idea that's been around a long, long time. And I've spoken with people who've been thinking about it for a long, long time. But strangely enough, it still keeps coming back often to just doing the same old training in the same old way. And they're not doing much at all about making sure that training has a positive impact on people's behaviors later on in the workflow. Yeah, and you make the point in the article that the corporate training market is worth currently more than $200 billion annually around the world. And so tell us a little bit about the kind of the amount of transfer that experts seem to think there is of, of learning. And therefore, what does that impact in terms of cost? Um, well, there's, there's various figures floating about for the amount of transfer that does actually happen. And of course, it does depend on the individual and circumstances and so on. Um, uh, Dr. Um, Robert Brinkerhoff from West Michigan University did a bunch of studies um, when he was researching transfer and he came up with a, an easy figure of one in six. So he reckoned that one in six delegates, on average, um, would do something positive and constructive and implement the learning. Another couple would give it a try once or twice um, and then probably not do it uh, more. Uh, one or two others would just do it once and then never, and one or two would just never do it at all. So really only one in six um, so for every six people you put in a training room, only one of them is going to do something long-term that is going to give you an ROI on that investment of those six people. So obviously this leads to a lot of presumably wasted money in training. So therefore, 
How can we, you know, what are some of the things that we need to do around the design and delivery of our training? And is it also either side of our training? Um, you're quite right that it's it's both. And I think one of the things that is often missing is we're often putting people in a training room that shouldn't even be there in the first place because we're we're doing stuff or training that's just not that relevant to them. And relevancy of the training is one of the determinants of learning transfer. If it's not relevant, people won't transfer it anyway. Um, so it's not just the fact that we're not transferring training. We're often doing training which shouldn't be transferred anyway because it's not relevant. So out of that, that 200 billion, actually a huge proportion is wasted. 70, 80% of it is, isn't really utilized that well. So one of the first steps of learning transfer is actually making sure you've got the right people in the right room at the right time. And so what kind of things could I do, you know, in the room or in the design of my e-learning or my webinar or my assets like videos and podcasts, whatever it might be? Let's start there for a moment. I'm a training designer or an instructional designer or a face-to-face facilitator, whatever it is. What can I do in my session and in the design that would help? Um, I think what I'd do is read the translation of um, uh, Ina's book, which is coming out soon. Uh, her book is in, she's got a 12, what she calls the 12 levers of learning transfer. And these are levers that can be pulled by someone who is a facilitator or trainer. Um, and it includes things like making sure the training's relevant, making sure there is a whole process in place. Um, making sure there is something uh, done before people get into the training room so that they are actually keen to learn. Um, so there's it's 12 different factors that she's come up with as the key determinants. And, and these can be dealt with at a kind of a local training level by the facilitator themselves, or you can lift it up into a more strategic level. Um, and I've been doing some, some work with, with Ina recently on that. So when you say what could they do, there are those 12 levers to pull. And and in my experience, um, before I even came across her work, you needed to, to do, you needed to pull most of those levers in order to get successful transfer. If you just pull one or two of them or do some of them half-heartedly, actually you won't get anything like what you, know, what you could get uh, from, from a learning transfer process. Okay, so then you talk about the strategic level. So let's move up to that level. Is that involving managers? Is that L&D manager? Is it C-suite and all to do with culture or a bit of everything? It's a bit of everything there. Culture was the word you touched on there that's probably the biggest factor of that. Um, when I say more strategic, I mean it's – up. Uh, Let's say the facilitator of a training course is a certain number of things they can do and they you know, have some sort of control over or ability to influence. But then there's lots of other people that need to get involved with learning transfer, such as the manager, such as um, the C-suite in terms of setting a cultural direction and things like that. So it has to be a more strategic approach um, that the individual local facilitator can't necessarily drive themselves on their own. Uh, so that's why I say you can tackle this at a couple of different levels. Um, so a local facilitator can do some stuff on their own, but it's so much easier for them to do that if the surrounding culture and everything else that is there uh, supports them in that role of, of managing learning transfer. 
You're absolutely right. I think we've all been in situations where we know that bit of training isn't the optimum. The right people aren't in the room. Maybe it shouldn't even be training. But our bosses said, get on with it. And we have to get on with it because the clients asked for it, internal or external, and the client's always right. We've all been in those positions. Um, What are some of the things I can do when I'm writing my next training course, whether it's face-to-face or virtual? What are just some of those levers that I can start thinking about to build into my design? Um, One of the big ones I've already mentioned is relevance. So this is about performance diagnostics, performance consultancy before you start to make sure that the material that you are going to try and teach these people or help them learn is relevant to them because then they can see there's a reason to learn it. Mm. Um, Some other things that you need to get sorted out is to have in place a program, for example, so that they they know where they start, they know what's going to happen on the day of the event or the whatever the training course is, and then they have afterwards a plan of actions and activities to do that will help them practice and embed and experiment. Um, and then you've got to do things like set up so that the right support's in place from their peers, from their manager, from uh, and that they've got the right tools on hand to do stuff, that they are given the time opportunity to do what they need to do to experiment and practice. Uh, and that's the big thing often is these follow-up activities. And very often these are not done or people are not held to account for doing the things they have been asked to do or supported in doing those things. Um, and another fact you mentioned culture earlier as well is what is the culture, what are the expectations of people if they come out of a training course? Um, in many companies I've seen, it's, oh, thank God you're back at your desk. Let's get on with what's in the in-tray mm. and we'll worry about that training stuff later. Or, you know, it's, it's just not, whereas it should be, you've come back. Okay, how can we support you? How can we help you implement what you've been away to learn? And we spent a lot of good money helping you learn. Yeah. Um, and it's also so when that, people are most well, enthusiastic probably as well, isn't it? It's right when at the end and they've come back to their desk maybe. Well, there is that factor, and and there's a lot of stuff I've got in in the book I'm writing now on learning transfer on that whole concept of motivation and behavior change, because we are seeking often to change behavior, not just to embed knowledge in people. Um, And that comes back to um, the the different triggers you need in order to set up behavior change, and motivation is one of those, clearly, and there are different ways you can tackle that in a learning transfer context. Well, I look forward to discussing this a bit more with you. When you've finally written your book, do you promise you're going to finish this book now, Paul? (laughs) (laughs) I've been promising it for a while and some other things got in the way. Unfortunately, family bereavement, some other stuff. But um, we're we're back on track now and I'm going to finish it on the summer. So uh, we should have it in print in September, October time. Right. I'll hold you to that and we'll we'll have to schedule a chat to find out more about it. And if people want to find out a little bit more about what you do at People Alchemy, where can they find you? Um, Well, www.peoplealchemy.co.uk. And of course, I'm on LinkedIn, so you can always go um, have a look at what we've got there. Thank you very much. And of course, we've got the TJ Wow discussion webinar coming up on the 10th of July, which is all about how do you ensure learning transfer from your training? We obviously have Paul, we have um, Dr. Ina Weinbauer-Heidel that you've mentioned, and also Emma Weber from Australia from Lever Transfer of Learning. And Paul, you've been on our webinars. I think, is this your third one that you've been on? 
I think it's about my third one. Yeah, um, yeah I love the format. It's brilliant. <laughs> really, really well. Um, um, yeah, and we, we love having you back, obviously. Well, what is something that you get out of the conversation as a speaker, not just attending? I'm always fascinated um, to learn from the other presenters because you find some good people to talk. So it, it's great hearing the the different ideas and, and especially something like learning transfer where there are a number of different approaches mm. Um, there are a number of different ways to look at it, and and all of them are right in the right circumstances. And it's fascinating seeing how people come at it from different angles. Um, and I'm really looking forward to hearing um, what the others have to say. Brilliant. Well, we're all looking forward to it as well. We'll see you on the 10th of July, 10am UK time, Paul. Sounds good. See you then. <laughs>